we find ourselves the eve of the entry of the nine days a little bit of time for introspection analyzation try to understand where we went wrong as a nation years ago You all know the famous Gemara that the first base of Middash was destroyed because of Klaal Yisrael or Ivra and the Gimel Averis Chamurais. The three worst Averis, Gili Arayis, Immorality, Avaydezara, and Murder, Shvichas Domim. The second base of Middash, on the other hand, was destroyed because of Benadam Lachaverai, a breakdown between man and his friend. And I heard a beautiful point from a waxman and he says apparently a breakdown in and how we treat our neighbors is tantamount that's equal to a breakdown in the three worst Averis that there are in the book. And that has to be understood. What is it about that's so integrally bad, it's such a, a horrible mishap that it could bring us to a Chorban Beis HaMikdash equivalent to the three worst Averis in the Torah. I think in reality every one of us want to do the right thing. It's just a question of us not focusing, not realizing where we went off. But sometimes we're staring at the problem but we don't recognize that what we're looking at is really a problem. There was a fellow who was in charge of a boat company. And it was his job that at the end of the day or the end of the shift, he was to get onto his loudspeaker and call out to the boats, your time is up, bring the boat back to dock. And he was do doing his job diligently. And one day, his, a fellow, a friend of his is standing next to him, and he hears him call out, boat 99, your time is nearly expired, bring your boat back to the dock. Boat 99 doesn't move. He waits a few minutes, he gets back on the loudspeaker, he says, Boat 99, your time has expired. Bring the boat back to dock. No movement from Boat 99. He begins to call out, he said, Boat 99, this is your last warning. You'll be subject to fine if that boat doesn't come back. You have to bring the boat back. Boat 99, doesn't move. One last pitch, he calls out and he says, Listen, Boat 99, we will have to use excessive force, which you will be forced to pay for if you don't bring your boat back to dock. It's at that point that his buddy standing next to him turns to him and says, can I ask you a question? I thought we only have 70 boats. How are you calling boat 99? He says, oh my gosh, boat 66, are you okay? Sometimes we're looking at the problem and we, don't, we fail to recognize that what we're staring at is in essence a problem. We could be staring at the problem head on, but we don't really get it. So what is the problem of Miram HaChaveray? What is this integral mess up that us as a, as a nation have to try to fix in Miram HaChaveray, which is tantamount to the three worst Averis in the world? To make it even greater, I want to share with you a Meshachachma, an amazing Meshachachma on, on next Shabbos' Haftarah. A famous Pasuk, we say, 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Klal Yisrael, analyze your ways. If your Averis will be like crimson red wool, I will whiten them like snow. And if your Averis are red, like the red dye of an insect, come back to me, do tshuva, and I'll make them white like wool. And the Meshachachma points out as follows a beautiful insight. He says the Pasuk is referring to the both problems of the two Beis HaMikdash, the destruction. The first Beis HaMikdash, our Averis are compared to Kashonim. Our Averis were compared to red wool. Those are the Averis of the Gimel Averis, Chamurais, immorality, murder, Avodah in which the Avera was compared to red wool. Red wool is inherently white. The wool has gone through a process to dye it red and give it an appearance of red. But the wool itself, as, a, as, a, as a, the natural color of the wool, is really white. These three Averas, says Meshachachma, Gimel Averas, that we discussed, are really only, were really only a problem for Klal Yisrael on the outside, how they present themselves to the public. Inside, we were pure, we were, we were white, similar to wool before it gets dyed red. We didn't deal properly with how we exposed ourselves to the outside. The second Beis HaMikdash was Yadimu Katoila. There the Averis were red like the blood of an insect. The problem was a problem from within. That was the problem of Merallah Haveroi, where we were corrupt from the inside. Says the Pasek, says the, the Meshachachma, if the problem comes from the outside, then I will make you white like snow. If the problem is a problem from the inside, the second base on Mikdash, it's katsemer, you will be like wool. Says the Meshachachma, it's brought on a Mishnayis in Egoim, that the whiteness of snow is far more pure and white than the whiteness of wool. In the first base on Mikdash, since our Averis were on the exterior and the outside, so our Averis, when we do tshuva, became pure like snow. White like the white of the snow, the beautiful, clear white night. And the second Beis HaMikdash, where the Avera was more an internal problem. We were corrupt on the inside. It was Yadimu Katoila, it was red blood, where the color of the blood is inherently red. Then Katsemer Yihyu will only be blessed with the bracha of tshuva to become white like wool. We will not attain that level of white like snow. So not only is the Aveira but Allah so deep and equivalent to the Gimel Averis Chamurais, it sounds like according to this Meshachachma, it's even worse than the Gimel Averis Chamurais. What is so corrupt? What is the essence of this problem of Ben Adam Lachaveroi that it's so integrally wrong with us as a Yid? <coughs> I think to understand this Meshachachma, what he's explaining to us is as follows. An Avera that a person does because of a drive, of a lust, of a desire doesn't show your perspective being off. Your perspective is right. We all mess up. Sheva We all have our falls. We all have our pits. It's incumbent upon us to rise again 
amidst our averes, do tshuva, cleans our, clean ourselves, and bring us back to the way our clear perspective really is. When there's a lack of an understanding between a, friend, a man and his friend, there there's a problem in your entire perspective of life. If it's all about me, even if that me is me and my mitzvahs with Hashem, have, you have a fundamental misunderstanding of what Hashem wants from us as a nation. When you view your mission in life as all about your success, even if your success is a success of Ruchnius, how well you will do your mitzvahs, means you have failed to recognize that the mitzvahs that you do are really part of a broad picture called Hashem's Malchus. The entire world we live in is really a manifestation of a kingdom which needs a nation. The Gemara says, Ein melech There's no such thing as a king that doesn't have a nation. And if an individual acts based on his own gut, his own perspective, how he feels, how he has to live, and he ignores his neighbor, means he lacks understanding that really what's going on in the world is a large scale of Malchus Shemayim. It's a view, a perspective of the entire world under Hashem's kingdom. That, says the Meshachachma, is when we were in the second Beis HaMikdash, we were corrupt from the inside. Because we lack this understanding, we lack this perspective that the world is not about us. It's not about our success. It's about building and flourishing as a Malchus at large. Hashem's kingdom at large. Raising up the banner of a Jew. Not of your banner. Not the banner that you carry. The banner that we carry as a nation as being part of this Malchus of Malchus of Shemayim. When a person doesn't understand that his neighbor is just as important, if not more, to the complete picture of Malchus Shemayim, then there's something wrong inherently inside with that person. That the Meshachachma says is Yadimu Katoila. That's red like crimson red of the blood that's naturally red. Not like red like dyed wool which is inherently white. Only on the outside it takes on a red color. I think for all of us together, if we were to pick one small act over the next nine days, one small act that we can change in our life, Ben Adam Lachaveire specifically, but not just the act itself, not to be robotic about it and just act out of, by rote because this is what we were decided to pick, but with an understanding an understanding that we're part of this gorgeous Malchus, this beautiful kingdom called Malchus Shemayim. We are that unified and bonafide nation in the world called Am Yisrael. I think that would be an amazing outlook for the nine days. You find people that they live, they can even live with their very own spouse. And they can live with their spouse for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And they do what's supposed to be done. They follow the book. They treat them properly, but inside they missed the perspective. They missed in how they view the outlook on what marriage is supposed to be like, and they can miss the boat in what it's all about, building together as a unit. There was once this couple, husband and wife, she was in the kitchen preparing for some sort of a dessert, and the husband was left at the table with a good friend of his, a few of his buddies, and the conversation turned to eating out different takeout, different eateries. And the husband, who's the host of this particular dinner, was sharing with his guests 
about this most incredible restaurant he just went to. Perfect what they were looking for, fits the bill, inexpensive, very tasty, beautiful ambiance. This is the place you got to go. And everyone was listening with complete interest what he had to say describing the restaurant. But it wasn't over the top when it came to paying. The bill was within reach. And everyone began to ask him afterwards, so where is this restaurant? What's the name of the restaurant? And he said, you know, he couldn't remember. And he's thinking to himself, they said, well, give us some hints. It's definitely downtown. But what's the name? Downtown, it must be 50 restaurants. He said, what's the name of that? There's a flower, a very famous flower that everyone knows. They tried guessing flowers, tulips, violets, dandelions. He said, no, no, no. It's a more common flower. They sell it by the dozen. You know, you, you see it all over the place. It doesn't. They said roses. He said, yeah, 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 that's it. Hey, Rose, what was the name of that restaurant we went out the other night? <laughs> he could be, you could have a wife in within your confines and build a relationship that's built on a lack of understanding. You might even forget her name. When we want to approach something of value, something that we can walk away over the next nine days, let's try to clarify first our perspective. Before the action itself, we'll find one small action to pick on. Let's pick one small idea a person can work on. I think if I can speak at least for myself and many of us humanoids, we're pretty weak when it comes to looking for that compliment. When your friend pulls up in the new car, when he does get something new, all he needs is literally a one-line compliment from his buddy, and he's set to go. When he comes in with his new tie, when he comes in with his new car, all it takes is one guy to say, you know, that really looks really nice, I hope you enjoy it. But if he gets ignored, he feels he hasn't completed his sale. He hasn't completed his pitch. He came with his car, he came all excited, no one commented. We're needy people, we're needy creatures, we need that compliment. Maybe just a compliment to your neighbor. Maybe over the next nine days, nothing. It costs nothing. It takes nothing out of you. Maybe give him a line, a one-liner that makes him feel good. That's all he's missing, perhaps. But more than the actual action, more than the actual compliments, is let's do it with the clarity, with the perception, with the understanding that what I'm doing now is not just a mere action to make him feel good, but I'm trying to build us as a nation. I'm trying to build us as, a, as, a, as an Ummah, as an Ummah of Malchus Shemaim, as picking up, glorifying that bonafide nation in the world. We are together. We are unified. We do stand united. When we think about it, who we are as a people, when we think about us as a nation, what we've gone through and what our perspective is really, then the comment should come easier for us. Then the change of action, a small little change, should come a little bit easier. There's an amazing marshal in Baba Kama. The Gemara says as follows, If a person, this man, who wants to become a chosid, he wants to act above the typical life. He doesn't just want to do what's right. He wants to act like a chosid, someone who's a righteous person. Says the Gemara, he should be careful when it comes to topics of damaging your fellow friend. 
Be careful in regards to nizokin, actions of damage when it comes to your fellow friend. That's the first opinion in the Gemara. Rova Omar, Rova adds to the Gemara, you want to be a chosid? Liboi, be careful, bemili de ovis. Be careful in topics of mesechtas ovis. The famous Mishnayis basically deal also with Menadol Machaveirai. It's all about how you treat, how you talk to your neighbor. And the last man, some say, if you want to act righteous, you want to be a chosid, you should be more careful, says the Gemara, in a third perspective, Bemili Debrochus. The Zoya Bemili Debrochus. You should be careful with, cont- with halachas pertaining to brochus, how you make a brocha on your food when you bench the Abishter. Three aspects the Gemara chooses how to become a chosid. Either be careful in damages, be careful in mesechtis, obvious topics, or lastly, is be careful in topics related to brochus. And the Marsha explains the Gemara, fantastic. He says the Gemara is referring to the three aspects of a yid. There's been Adam Lachaveroi, there's been Adam Lamokoim, and there's been Adam Laatzmoi. Ben Adam Lachaveroi, how you treat your friend, that's Nizokin. Be careful how you treat your friend, not to hurt him, not to damage him, not physically, not monetarily. Don't pain him with your words. There's been Adam Lamokoim, how you deal with the Abishter, that's Brochus. Thank the Abishter every step of the way, wherever you go. And then says the Marshal, there's mili the bein adam la'atzmai between you and yourself, and that's mesechtas ovis. The Marshal is a chiddush. Anyone that wants to discuss mesechtas ovis, how do they categorize mesechtas ovis? Bein adam la'chaveiray, how you treat your friend. Five prokim dealing with how to treat your neighbor. What's the proper conduct you have between you and your neighbor? The months of the summer months. The Minigan Claudius, how many people learn a parak a week, Mesechtas Ovis, to promote Minadam Lachaveiro, you're outdoors, you're amongst people, you're not cooped up in the winter. And the Marshal seems to be categorizing Mesechtas Ovis, Minadam Laatzmai. I think the Marshal means the same thing. You could do it by root. You could act to your friend in a proper way just because you decided, I have to act properly to my friend. But if you really analyze it, you really look into what the real root of the problem is, it's really Ben Adam La'atzmai. It's really how you view yourself. If you view yourself as that beautiful yid, that special part of the, that neshama, part of that special nation, you are that individual who stands tall and proud to be a yid. Not to have a relationship with Hashem independently, because in Malach Balayam, there's no such thing as a king if he has no nation. You need the people. That's the only way to promote Malchus Shemaim. The Mesechtis Ovis automatically will spill over to how you deal with your friend. He's no longer your friend as a lulav that have to do a mitzvah with him. Oh, there's a poor guy. Let me give him. Let me give him a a a a, a dollar because the mitzvah of 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 tzaka. That's not what it's about. It's about feeling for the guy. We're part of this nation. Thank Hashem that I'm not the guy going around. He's the guy that I'm the one who has to give it, who can give him. Let's embrace that. Embrace the, the concept, the perspective before you start. That's why perhaps it's called Mili de Ovis. Mili de Ovis is called Min Adam La'atzmai. The problem I think that we most of the time face is that whenever it's real, whenever it's deep and meaningful, it always comes with a drop of Mesiris Nefesh. The easier mitzvahs the Yitzhahara lets you take. You want those, you got them. 
It's when they're more integral as analyzing of who we are as a nation. If we're out for the juggler, if we're out to find out who we are as a nation, the Yetzirah says, not so fast. And that's when he comes with his ideas that will distract us and turn us away from this concept, whatever it's going to be, but he's going to be full force to get us to bring us down. There's a Mishnah novice, Ben Hehe Oimer, Nefum Tzara Agra. Ben Hehe says, according Lefum, according to Tzara, according to the amount of pain that it costs you, Agra, that's how much reward you're going to get in the next world. Simply understood, well, no pain, no gain. If you pain, if you have pain, that means in Shemayim they're going to give you Tzara for the pain as well. If so, then I can get schar and shemaim for two tefillin. I can get schar for one tefillin plus tzar. But it seems to be it's much deeper than that. It's not just that you get an extra check in shemaim. There's a check for the mitzvah and there's a check for the pain. When the mitzvah is done with pain, the mitzvah itself becomes a different mitzvah. There's an unbelievable psak, an unbelievable story that I just heard about Abchaim Kanievsky which it takes a man like Abchaim to put down this psak. There was a Yid who survived World War II. But before he was taken off to the camps, he took with him his talus. He had a talus godel that he had with him. When the Nazis Yemachshom came rounding up the Yidin, he grabbed his talus, he stuck it inside his shirt, couldn't tell anything, and that became his beged. And he hid it when they got off the train. He hid that talus in the ground. And that talus became connected to him. And every single day of his life, throughout the camps, come what may, he made sure he donned that talus once a day. He put on that talus every single day of his life. And he gave his life for that talus. His blood was there in that talus. That became his mitzvah that everything that he had was for that talus. Miraculously, he, saved, he was saved from the war. He survived, and he survived with his talus. And he continued this minig, this was his talus, this was his lifeline. This talus stayed with him for the rest of his life. And before he was nifter, he left in his tzavot to his family, I'm one request of my children, bury me with my talus. That's my request. Do what you want, but I want to be buried with that talus. That talus became part of my DNA. I want to be buried with that talus. The family at that time lived in England. I don't know what happened, how this came to be, but the Yid was nifter, and unfortunately, the family forgot to bury him with the talus. A short while later, they realized the terrible mishap that happened. His one last dying request, bury me with the talus, wasn't fulfilled. They sent the Shalat to Chaim Kanievsky, what do we do? A man, our father was Nifter, he asked one request, bury me with the talus he gave his life for and we forgot. And Chaim Kanievsky said an unbelievable psak. He said, you must dig up the grave and put the talus with the mace. The family was floored, that they weren't expecting. Dig up the kever, the zoyana mace, because he had one last request. They couldn't do it, they just couldn't do it. They contacted, they contacted the Hever Kadisha. They told them what the Psak from Chaim Kanievsky is dig up the grave and put the talus in the kever. The Hever Kadisha didn't want to do it. Some time 
bounced around. The family felt, we got to get clarity on this. We just can't do it. They sent Dayan Donner from England, Shlita, back into Chaim Kanievsky to say, the family said they can't do it. We need some guidance. What do we do now? Dayan Donner went back in for the family a second time and he told the Chaim, the family said they can't do it. What should they do? They can't. They can't dig up the kever. And Abchaim said, my psak remains a psak. Dig up the kever and put the talus in. That's my psak. Doesn't change. Dayan Donner came back to the family. Unbelievable. He was unwavering. <laughs> you got to dig it up. Well, the family gathered together again, chewed it over, threw it around. Everyone was in on the meeting and no one could do it. No one could dig up the kever of their father. Again, they pushed, they tried, each guy tried his mysterious nefesh. They couldn't push themselves to do it. They sent back Dayan Donner in a third time. Please go back to Abchaim. If it's not chutzpah, just ask him, please, we're stuck. We don't know what to do. We heard the psaks and the rov, but we don't know how to continue. We can't do it. There's no one that seems to be able to do it. What do we do in this scenario? It cannot be done. No one seems to be able to do it. And here's the amazing psak Abchaim added to the first amazing psak. He said, dig a hole next to the mace. Put the talus in the hole as close as you can to the mace. Cover it up. And that's how you make the psak of the mace. So Dayan Donner turns to Abchaim and says, Lamdenu Rabbeinu, teach us, Rebbe. What is that psak all about? What is that? How is that mitzvah l'kayin divri ames? What are you doing? He wasn't buried with it. Touching him within Da'od Amis. What is this psak? And Abchaim said the most fascinating insight. Abchaim told him, In Shemayim, there is one thing, and one thing only that, that takes precedence over any other mitzvah or maizim toivim that a person does in this world. And that is mysterious nefesh. There's one unbelievable power that shakes the world, and that is a person's push for a mitzvah. Whenever you push, Whenever you give up something that you don't want to do, but you do it anyhow, because that's the right thing, he said in Shemayim that clears the path, greater and more powerful than any other mitzvah. This man gave his life for the mitzvah of talis. He deserves to have that talis in Shemayim with him. You can't get it to him. You have to get it as close as you can. Whatever that means, how that means, he brings up the schos when it's next to him in the kever. But you have to put that mysterious nefesh, the mitzvah that he pushed himself for, that he was mysterious nefesh to the nth degree. Get that mitzvah as close as you can to him. He deserves to have that with him in Shemayim. That's the power of mysterious nefesh. It's not just a random check. Like another mitzvah. You could do a mitzvah of tefillin, a mitzvah of tzedakah, then you could do tefillin and mysterious nefesh, two checks. It's not like that. A mitzvah that's done with mysterious nefesh takes on a whole new form of its own. It's a whole new mitzvah of its own. It's something that in Shemayim breaks all barriers. Something in Shemayim, when you push yourself, something that's hard, that takes on a, a, a completely new outlook. So we all have our opportunities. They could be small. They could be giving a, someone a hitch, driving down Forche Road. You don't feel like pulling over for the guy. You're in a rush. All it takes is literally 10 seconds. We, we go through this back and forth. I'm on the phone. He, he can't hear my conversation. Should I? Shouldn't I? That's called mysterious nefesh. That, that falls into the category of pushing yourself for another yid. 
if it's done with perspective, if it's done with clarity, if it's done with this understanding that he's just as much part of that Malchus as I am, we're all in this together as a united nation. One united, gorgeous, powerful nation in the world. And that's Klal Yisrael. Then when that mitzvah is done, it's Nefesh that breaks all barriers. I want to close with one Misa. One more Misa that I heard from the son of the, where the story happened to. There was a Yid who lived in Brooklyn. His name was Mendel the Coat Rack. That was his nickname. He was a Yid who needed to come out to other people, Nebuch. He wasn't capable of caring for himself. And basically, he was a Yid who was there, who was put there for everyone else to have an opportunity to care for this um, desperate soul. His hygiene was not the best. He needed care from top to bottom. Physical, emotional, mental care, whatever could be given. And there was one family that he frequented very much. And this family, the wife of the family, the mother of the home, whenever he came, she treated him with the royal treatment. Whenever he left the house, the woman of the house went around with alcohol and she would clean all the handles that he touched because he, wasn't, he was unkempt, his um, hygiene, as I mentioned, wasn't proper. So she would have to clean the house wherever he was. A very unpleasant mitzvah done with Messiris Nefesh. One day, this family ordered a new couch. A white leather couch came delivered to the house, put into the living room. The day the couch arrived, Mendel showed up at the, showed up at the front door. He came to the house looking for a hot meal. The wife brought him in, served him hand and foot, served him a hot, delicious meal. He finished his meal and he said, now I have to relax, I have to rest a little bit. And he began heading towards the spanking new white couch. And the mother of the house went through the, the struggles of a yid. On the one hand, this is what the mitzvah is about. On the other hand, her house is not a Rosh It's not a stomping ground for any and everybody. She, should she put her foot down? It's not even 24 hours the couch. Well, after a little bit of deliberation, she turned to Mendel and she said, Mendel, please don't head to the couch. There's beds ready for you downstairs. You pick your bed. Any bed you want is available for you in the basement. Mendel said, I can't go down the steps. I'm too tired. I'm schwach. I have to head for the couch. Well, the woman had already made up her mind. Ad Khan, she wasn't allowing the couch to become the same as as the rest of her home, at least not for the first 24 hours. And she said, I'm sorry, Mendel. I have to ask you to go downstairs. Do not go to the couch. And Mendel turns to her, and in a threatening voice he says, if you don't allow me to go to the couch, I'm leaving. Threat. Okay. Well, she made up her mind, and she said, listen, Mendel, anything I could do for you, I'd love to help you, but not the couch. And with that, Mendel headed towards the door. The son of this housewife told me the story 
He said, Mendel got to the door, the door of the house. He's about to leave. And he turns around to the mother of the house. And I'm going to embellish how he said it, because I don't believe Mendel said it with all the details. But he referred to a very famous story. And he told the mother of the house, do you know the story of the mud of the wagon driver? There's a very famous story of a Yid who was a Pashta Yid, a simple Yid. He was a wagon driver. He lived a life of simplicity. He tried to serve the Eivishter in a simple way. Davin Betzibur did his job faithfully and honestly. And after 120, he came up to Shemayim. And he was brought in front of the Bezin Shalmala. And they began to judge all of his maizim. And they began to judge all of his mitzvahs. And they put on the scale. And the scale was doing beautiful. And then he began to don his averis. And they put him on the scale. And the scale began to tip, 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 tip. And he's watching in horror as the Malachi Chavala, these demons, these frightening Malachim, begin to surround him. And he watches as the scale finally tips and the virus outweigh the Zchuyas, the mitzvahs. And the man begins to scream. He realizes he's destined for Gehenna. And as the Malachi Chavala surround him and they're ready to carry him away, into the courtroom bursts a Malach a beautiful white shining malach. And he says, wait, I have one more thing we forgot to add. What do you have that we, forget, we forgot? He said, it was one mice of this wagon driver that he was a rainy day, he was driving his wagon and he saw another yid got stuck on the side of the road. He stopped his horse and wagon, got out of his wagon in the mud, went over to the other side of the street and helped another yid out of the mud. And they turned to the Malach and they said, What are you kidding? We have that Maisa. We already counted that in his mitzvahs. And the Malach said, I know you counted the Maisa. But the mud, the mud that he sullied his boots and pants on, the mud he didn't put on the scale. Do I have Rishus? asked the Malach to go down to Elam Hazeh. Take the mud that the Yid put himself, put himself into for the sake of another Yid. Can I put that onto the scale? And the Maisa ends. The Malach was granted permission and they brought the mud, the mysterious nefesh for the mitzvah, put it onto the scale, and he was Zeichaladin. And then the coat rack turned to this woman, this balabosta of a woman. And in his broken communication force, he turned to the woman and he said to her, If you want, I'm going to leave the house now. But I think you want that white couch on the scale with you in the next world. And his words, hit home. And the mother of the house turned to Mendel and said, Mendel, the white couch is yours. Enjoy your shluf. If we can work on this one idea, a small idea with the proper perspective of who we are as a nation, I think we'll go into Tisha B'Av. And may the Eber should help us that this Tisha B'Av should be taka nepach miyogin the simcha.